Welcome to episode four, one, two, three, four of the Diary of an Entrepreneur. I'm Danny Lacey, and right now I'm going through the pains of growing a business from the ground up. And as CEO and founder of a video marketing company, I have the responsibility and the accountability of having employed over 25 staff, servicing over 150 clients, generating revenue of over £2 million, and dealing with the stress and the anxiety of growing a business from zero, including times where we almost lost everything. This is the Diary of an Entrepreneur. Now, in this episode, I'm going to be talking about finding clients, building relationships, and growing revenue. The year we almost doubled our revenue and what I did to achieve that, although it wasn't really me that achieved that, I'll tell you more about that in a bit. Our sales pipeline and how we measure results, the importance of marketing and its relationship with sales, those two are in bed together, let's be honest, and setting targets and putting a strategy in place to achieve said targets. So let's get started with the Diary of an Entrepreneur. Uh, but first, I start each episode uh, with a quick update on how we're getting on over at Starter Media. It's been a busy week for us this week. Uh, ben Jews, I'm sure he'll be embarrassed if he hears this, but Ben Jews, our new Director of Business Development, he's been with us for three months. He just passed his probationary. Well done, Ben. He landed a very big new client this week. He's actually, do you know, I, I wasn't expecting Ben to sell anything for the first three months, right? Because there's a bedding in period, you know, you've got to get to know the business figure things out, but he's already acquiring new clients and selling, which is just amazing. So uh, Ben landed a big new client this week, and it's a pay-per-view live streaming event that we are going to be producing. We're going to be doing all the technical side of it, doing the live stream, all the cameras, the technology, and the event will feature two all-time Hollywood legends. This is a very big deal for us. We're super excited. It's going to be happening next year, and uh, watch this space for more details. So well done, Ben. Uh, we've been spending lots of time working on the marketing strategy for quarter four. Our quarter four is January, February, March 2021 uh, to raise the visibility of the business. A very important aspect of what we're trying to achieve. We, uh, we're, you know, we've got a huge, a very competitive landscape and we want to be making more of a dent in that landscape. And so we've got some plans and strategies that we're putting together, including a new marketing manager that joins us on Monday. And uh, he's going to be helping us uh, shape those strategies. And also on the sales front, I've been working on new container uh, content retainer tariffs that we hope to deploy next year. And the idea behind these content retainer tariffs is uh, you pay us X amount per month and you'll get all this content. You pay us this per month and we'll get all this content. And we're working on three, three core tariffs. Uh, and we hope to be introducing those next year. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that will be of interest to uh, a lot of uh, new clients. So a little insight into what's been happening over the last week or so at Starter Media. But right now, let's get back to the diary of an entrepreneur. Uh, right, okay, let's get going. So part one, you can't survive without clients and there are plenty of clients out there. It's often a misconception that, oh, there's just not enough people out there wanting my business or services, which I think for the most part is absolute nonsense. There are plenty of businesses and plenty of people within businesses 
that want the products and services that you supply. And certainly the products and services that we supply. Now, there are a lot of video agencies out there in the world, especially in the UK. There are tons, thousands, and some really, really good ones. Some that I'm very envious of. And some of them making more and better content than us right now, which is fine. And that's a fair thing. And, um, you know, but we've got plans in place and we one day we will catch up and we will be competing with our nearest and biggest competitors. And that's the whole plan of what we do. Now, when it comes to acquiring clients, and we've been in many situations before where we're pitching against other uh, competitors, fortunately, I wouldn't say a big portion of our revenue comes from those situations, having to pitch and tender for work because um, it's 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 a dark art and it's uh, it's difficult because you're up against many other people. We've done many pitches over the years and we've won, I'd say a small percentage, a significant percentage for us, but um, it, it's a difficult, because you could potentially be up against 40 other agencies, some agencies that have had way more experience than you, uh, just because they've been at it a lot longer than you and have a bigger team and, and uh, resources and, and all that. So the odds are stacked against you. So we try to avoid that where we can at the minute. We're not really set up right now for, for going full on in, into tenders and pitches and stuff. But there's one thing that keeps cropping up that bugs me, and I just wanted to quickly share it. And that's when somebody asks you what your USP is. What's your unique selling point, your USP. And I'll be honest, I hate that question because most people, 99.9% of people will f- fill that hole with something. All right. You, you, you make stuff up, things that you know the other person wants to hear. So when they ask you, what's your USP? Well, it's because of this and we do that and blah, de, blah, de, blah. Um, and well, that's just, you know, the, the USP is the fact that we're here right now having a conversation with you. You know our USP better than we do because you, the client, the prospect, found us in amongst this sea of video production agencies. You found us along with maybe two or three others, and that's the USP. So you've already found our unique selling point because let's be honest, our USP, along with every other business on the planet, are our people, the people working within that business. There's only one of me. There's only one of our editor, Luke. There's only one of our production director, Saxon. There's only one of our director of business development, Ben Duke. There's only one. So we're all unique. That is our USP. That's our individuality. But the problem is, A, that's the truth. So if you're asking me what our USP is, that's our USP. But But B... Getting that across without sounding like I'm trying to cop out of answering the question is a really difficult one. And the reason I'm sharing that is because it's, it often it has often cropped up before and I've always stumbled with it because what I've just shared with you is exactly how I feel about that. But sometimes clients don't necessarily want to hear about that, but yet we'll always make something up. And So anyway, uh, the reason I'm bringing it up is because I think it's more important to know about your value proposition. All right. So USP is basically your value proposition in disguise. So forget the whole USP thing, but what is your value proposition? And I think as a business, you need to know that we're constantly working on ours and tweaking it. It's not perfect at the minute because we do a lot of things for a lot of people and getting that into a succinct short sentence is really difficult, but we're working on it. And I guess the value proposition is literally what problem do we solve and how can we solve it for your business? And you need to get it into a few, into like three main things. You need to have a version of it that's just in a few words, a version of it that's in a sentence and a version of it that is like your 15 second elevator pitch that you can use verbally when you're meeting somebody or you can have it across your marketing and social media and website and all that jazz. So basically when somebody's asking you what your USP is, you just need to give them your value proposition. Um, 
because we all know what your USB is, and it's the people as opposed to anything in particular about your business. Because all video agencies, we've all got cameras. We've all got the same kind of cameras. We've all got staff working for us and processes and systems in place. And we've all created really cool and good content. Um, so, um, so yeah, anyway, I personally think the USP, and this is just me ranting at the minute, and, and I can hear myself going off on one, but uh, I'm quite passionate about this particular thing. But our USP is the fact that you, the client, you, the prospect, have found us in amongst that noise of other video production agencies. So um, anyway, uh, rant over, I think. So being able to share your uh, value proposition within just a few sentences, that's your sales pitch. And it can make a massive difference in explaining what you can do and help the prospect, the potential client on the other end to get to a decision um, a lot quicker. I guess when it comes to sales, um, there are a lot of clients out there. One of the big mistakes that we made in the early days was just expecting the phones to ring off the hook. That was an early mistake. We relied heavily on current contacts. So I'm going back to the early stages of business and we got most of our business through uh, my current contacts list, people I knew. Um, word of mouth started to develop once people found out that we were creating video, it was soon spread. But this wasn't going to grow my business. So what else was I going to do? Because you know, it started to dry up. You know, I had to learn everything I could about marketing. I soon realized that there has to be other forces at play that bring clients to the business as, as opposed to my little black book, which it was in the day. And now it's my contacts listing on my phone or wherever that sits at the minute. But there are other forces that need to be at play to, to help grow a business outside of you personally and what you do. So I had to go back to the principles on how I acquired my first client, that cold calling exercise that I did, that um, more proactive outreach of sales and, and the tactics that I use. Um, now, I hate cold calling and I've not really had to do that much since the f very early days. And if you were listening to a previous episode, you'll be aware of how I acquired my very first client, which was B&Q, just through cold calling when I hit the yellow pages uh, but I avoided it at all costs thereafter. And uh, even to this day, I can't remember the last time I picked up a phone and did a cold call. Some people do cold calls and it works really well. And some, it doesn't, it depends who you are and how confident you are and the tactics you use and how clever you and smart you are with that conversation. But I think there's a whole lot at play before the phone call than there is just picking up the phone. So, um, but anyway, we, we avoided that. So I had to go back to those, but I did have to go back to those principles that I had to be proactive. I had to pick up a phone, do some research, find some contacts and proactively get myself in front of them because I, they weren't going to come and call me just randomly out of nowhere. And we were starting to exhaust that contact list and the sales pipeline. And this is when I knew there was a problem. The sales pipeline was looking all too familiar all right, it was the same names and we desperately needed to add new faces to that client roster to feed growth and to improve sustainability. We were getting to that stage where if we lost a couple of clients, that could have had a drastic effect on business. And um, so there was a lot at play and, and I needed to I needed to get smarter with my sales and do things that I hadn't necessarily been doing beforehand. Uh, but also I needed to set goals and targets so we had something to aim for, which again, something in the early days I wasn't necessarily focused on. I was just concentrating and focusing on one sale after another sale after another. Um, they had pound signs attached to them, but they weren't in any particular order. They weren't organized in any way. 
There was no orchestration of um, sales and cash flow versus targets and goals. It was just literally whatever we could get our hands on. I guess desperation at the time. And there was there was no method to growth. It was just, right, uh, who needs a video? Let's just go at it. And whereas now there is goals and targets set, we're reverse engineering everything. I've got a much clearer idea of how I want business to be structured. So for example, uh, I start with me personally. All right, I, I own the business. I'm the one that's dedicating blood, sweat and tears to growing this. Have done for my entire life pretty much. Um, and 10 years plus on Starter Media as it is at the minute. Um, and so I need to figure out what I want to get out of out of life. And and I want, you know, I want to look after my family. I want to be able to afford the little luxuries in life. I'm not materialistic, really. I'm not really money driven, but we still need finances to, to live. So I look at what I need to be able to sustain my, my personal lifestyle which again is not extravagant. And then how can the business, what does the business need to do to be able to pay for that? And then what do we need to get out of the, what does the business need to achieve? And what's the future plans and exit plans for the business? So there's all those things that you reverse engineer and hopefully you end up then with a, a set of goals and targets. And I think it's really, really important to have that because if without that, things are very cloudy and we're doing things for the sake of doing things with no real, you know, you're swinging at a ball without a bat and it kind of, you know, you're hitting and missing a lot. So I think having targets set, whether it's revenue targets, whether it's an exit strategy, whether it's client numbers, staff numbers, whatever it is, having some kind of targets and goals set will help you with that client acquisition, a lifetime value of clients and all those kind of things that are really important metrics um, for a business. So that was a lot at play without for real focus. And now we needed to move on to how do we find those clients? And I'm going to share with you a couple of stories on how we found some of our biggest clients today and how I found them was through zero. Well, one of them was zero money down uh, and just perfect timing, I think. Um, but anyway, so part two, how we found some of our biggest clients. So it was cold calling back in the early days, just mentioned it a minute ago, B&Q through the yellow pages. And I just hit the phones and it was seven phone calls in. And I remember it really well. And we got the B&Q gig out of the health and safety officer for B&Q of the North. And uh, again, very lucky with timing. And it just uh, fell nicely. It's moved on a lot since then. And uh, we avoid cold calling at all costs. For me, it reduces the odds of finding the right type of client for our business, especially if we're playing the numbers game and it's one phone call after another. And we're not really doing any due diligence or any research uh, on that. It's just a numbers game. Um, but it might not be good numbers. Um, it, again, it might be the wrong kind of client that we want um, for our business. Our current portfolio and online presence um, has led to a lot of inbound inquiries over the years, which has resulted in new client wins. But that didn't happen overnight. That was something that comes with time. And it's all part of the whole building momentum and that compounding effect. You know, one good pot, one good video on your portfolio can in, uh, improve your chances of getting new clients. Four, five, six, 10, 15, 20 really good portfolio pieces gives you a much bigger chance of attracting. And those portfolio pieces end up doing the work for you in the end. And so, um, and so that's what's at play for us at the minute. So our portfolio and online presence definitely has increased sales uh, through inbound inquiries. But again, it's compounding. It's taken years for that to build. And it's uh, patience that has played a biggest part on, on where we're at with that. Now, the two biggest contributors uh, that I've had today to revenue uh, for the business in recent years have been me hiring a salesperson and activity on LinkedIn. 
All right, that's it. Those two things have contributed more to sales outside of me doing my own personal sales thing. Um, and I'm going to break those down. So f- first, hiring a salesperson. I hired a BDM, a business development manager, and it took me months to make this decision. I was worried about it because you're talking a higher salary bracket. It's a big gamble, something that we probably couldn't afford at the time, but I decided that it was time. It, the company was vulnerable because I was the only person bringing in the sales. And if anything happened to me or if I had a bad period, then it would ruin and uh, it just stunt growth and, and it was too much of a risk. So I hired a BDM, Catherine, and this was a massive investment with a very demanding salary and bonus structure and a gamble for us at the time. And I'm going back a couple of years now and, and I'm recording this on November 19th, 2020. And we're going back to, I think it was 2017, 18, around this time. Um, but anyway, it was a gamble for us at the time, but it paid off within just a few months with regular four to five figure jobs that Catherine was bringing into the business. And she literally, literally helped us almost double revenue in one year. Let me repeat that. This BDM, Catherine, who we hired, and we spent a lot of time and investment finding the right person. She helped us almost double revenue in one year, which was amazing. And at the time, biggest, single biggest investment the business had ever made and it was worth it. We got lucky. And uh, like I say, that, that investment enabled us to, to, to develop and grow the business. We all got super excited about it. Uh, but the problem is there is a story here to this. And uh, I ended up in a relationship with this person, which completely ruined the working relationship. It's true what they say. You should never work with loved ones. However, no regrets. It all ended well. We have a beautiful little boy called Luke and we are one happy little family. And I would take that any day over business success. So uh, it, it ended It ended well. It started fantastically. Then the relationship thing happened. And then, um, as you'll know, if you're in a relationship and working together at the same time, you know exactly what it's like and that you should avoid it at all costs. And we no longer work together now. And everything is fine and hunky-dory. So that was the first thing that was the catalyst for growth and was one of the biggest, had the, one of the biggest impacts on, on revenue. And we got lucky and it worked. And I would do it again. We have, we've hired Ben Dews now, who's our director of business development. And he's having a similar kind of effect uh, on the business. And also it takes the pressure off of me as well. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a big lesson um, in, amongst, in amongst that. Uh, a handful of our biggest clients came via LinkedIn. And this was from through some activity that I was doing uh, online and it worked an absolute treat. So a few personalized DMs, direct messages via LinkedIn ended up bringing in over a hundred thousand pounds in additional revenue to the business, right? I'm not making, this is a true figure, honest story. There was about three clients, I think that uh, all added up to uh, bring us in that additional revenue. So a few personalized direct messages that probably took me half an hour per direct message because I did a bit of research um, and then and then I made contact. Some of the contacts that I actually had known for a lot longer and had been admirers of their business and, and really keen on getting them as a client. So uh, it had been going for a while. But however, the spend on it was zero. It cost me nothing apart from my time and effort to send those few personalized direct messages to the key decision makers within that business. All right. And it led to, like I say, over a hundred thousand pounds in additional revenue for the business with zero spend. And LinkedIn is all about 
conversation and effort. I direct messaged key decision makers in the businesses that I wanted as clients, but I did my research beforehand and I made plenty of noise, uh, the right kind of noise uh, at the same time. So to give you an example, I won't mention the, the company, but one of the big clients that we won through direct messages. So I, I knew who the decision maker was. It was one of the managing directors, one of the heads of the business. And I was already connected on LinkedIn and uh, they were all over social media. And I'd done my research. I'd uh, written my direct message. I knew how I wanted to approach this. So uh, first of all, I'll give you some insight into that direct message. It was literally a hi, blah, blah. Uh, hope you're well. Uh, hope you don't mind me getting in touch. I'm sure you get this all the time. But I just loved the work you did recently on your, that's featured on your website. Uh, uh, the work that you did with blah, blah, and blah. Uh, I thought it was so innovative, very creative, da, 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 da. and it was genuine. I did actually really like what they'd just done. So that was the opening gambit on the message. I then went into uh, just a, a, an honest, modest, humble uh, email that wasn't bragging. I wasn't saying you should work with us. We're amazing. But it was just a look, we're just at the road from you guys. Uh, we're a small in-house team of video uh, production experts. We would love to work with you and your company. We've massively admired what you guys have been doing for years now. And I finally plucked up the courage to get in touch. Um, we uh, Then I told them about what we did, what we can do. And then it, I finished it off with, look, we want to prove to you how good we are. We wanted to prove the value we can bring to your business. So I'm happy for us to create your agency a free promotional video. All right, we'll come and film at your workplace and we'll put together a really cool little short corporate video for free. Not only that, but we will do your first video. Now remember, this is an agency, so they have clients and the whole point is we're offering the agency this video production that they can then supply to their clients. But we will do your first, our first project with one of your clients at cost. And that was it, at cost. So near enough, not making any money whatsoever. So again, a big gamble, um, but one that I, I knew would pay off if we got our foot through the door. So um, it was, uh, it wasn't a short message, but it wasn't war and peace either. Um, I, I know that the people say don't write long messages, blah, blah, blah. Depends what the message is. All right. If, if it needs to be a long message, it needs to be a long message. But as long as it's the right kind of message, uh, and isn't just blurb about how great you are. So anyway, that was the gist of the message. I hit send. Now, when I hit send, I also across this, their Twitter, Facebook, uh, other posts on LinkedIn, uh, and all sorts of other social media channels and email. I basically hit like, share, comment, and as much activity as I could in one go across most of their social media and sent them an email as well. So my name was popping up all over the place. I'm going back a few years now, by the way. Um, so anyway, the next day I'm in Brighton doing a, a workshop on filmmaking and I got a phone call partway through the day and it was, uh, hi, Danny, it's Blah from Blah Agency. Uh, my goodness, your name popped up everywhere yesterday. What is going on? Uh, anyway, he went on to say, look, I get a lot of these emails and a lot of these phone calls uh, from various agencies wanting to work with us. However, just because you, just because of your approach and how you just kind of popped up everywhere, I, I loved that approach. We're all in marketing. That was a, you did a really good job there of grabbing my attention. Um, I want us to, uh, I want to, I want to work with you. Uh, I want to get you involved. So we ended up off the back of that, we ended up doing some work and his, their account management team got in touch with us and gave us a couple of briefs to work with. And they became uh, one of our biggest clients for the next year and a half or so. Um, so, so yeah, just a little example of how we found clients and how we continue. We'd use the, we use similar format to that now today, trying to find clients and it works. It works an absolute 
treat. So, uh, yeah, there you go. A little bit of insight into to how we managed to get one of our biggest clients. And we also had uh, another two or three top clients that came through that exact same method. And uh, it worked, absolutely worked. And I wish I had time to do that at scale. Um, but running a business is very time demanding. Uh, today, I'm growing a sales and marketing team that can dramatically raise the visibility of our business and to help us get in amongst some of our biggest competitors in this space. And I don't know what's happened, but recently I've just become really competitive and aggressively competitive, in fact, um, because I want us to be making more of a dent. I believe in what we do. I believe we have lots of value to bring clients across the UK and globally. Um, and, but I'm taking, I want to grow slowly. I want to take a time, make sure we get everything right. I don't want us to grow too quick. Um, so that's why I've set up or are in the process of setting up this, uh, marketing and sales uh, department who are now going to be helping me because originally it was me. I was sales, I was marketing, I was this, 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 whereas now I'm trying to delegate some of that work and, uh, and get people in there that are better than I am. So we've got a new marketing manager that started and uh, he's better, more experienced than I am uh, in marketing. And, and hopefully he'll bring more to the table and, and deliver on the goals and vision that we're currently setting for the next phase um, of growth. So we're ready to scale up and we're ready to deliver even more for brands in the UK and eventually around the world. And the whole sales and marketing thing has ramped up massively from what it was two, three, four years ago. Um, and I think it will definitely have an effect. And because of that experience I had hiring my B, the first BDM back in the day and then nearly doubling revenue, I'm now more all for going all in and, and hiring the right kind of talent and making that investment, which is a big move for anybody who's running a small business. And we're technically running a small business. I've also wanted to, I've also wasted uh, many thousands on marketing and advertising. And I do believe that this is a, uh, a really important part uh, and part and parcel of learning and developing and finding the best marketing fit for your business because it's horses for courses. Some marketing things work better for some businesses than others, but you have to try stuff out and sometimes that costs money. So if you're in business and you're looking at marketing and you're thinking what budget, you just, you're going to need money to waste. Money, you do, I don't care who you are, how great you think you are or who you know, you are going to waste money. And that is part and parcel, and you should accept that. We're at the stage now where we want to dedicate at least 5% of our revenue on marketing spend um, to help make more of a dent in this marketplace. Now more than ever, I'm a big believer in having to speculate to accumulate because you can't rely on one specific channel for growing your business and increasing sales. And that one channel might be you on your own, on the phone or on emails. You've got to expand and continue to build that sales and marketing team, department, efforts um, to generate uh, growth uh, within your business. Um, so I've hired a new marketing manager. Marketing plays a massively important role with sales. They are literally in bed together. Sales and marketing are of the same thing. All right. There's a slight difference, a gray area between the two, but it's they're very much this marketing feeds sales and sales in the end feeds marketing, gives it content and ammunition to and assets to and collateral to go out and market. It's a, a circle. It's a secular thing. So, um, so yeah, so I went out and hired a, a marketing person uh, who's now going to play a really important part uh, within the business and they're marketing the business, Stardom Media. We're not offering marketing to clients or anything just yet. It's strictly to help grow Stardom Media and to work along sales. So suddenly sales has gone from just me on my own 
to me and then having a BDM cat and then cat left. And now we've got Ben. So there's two of us in sales and now we've got a marketing person. There's three of us in sales. And suddenly that compounding momentum in sales is definitely going to start to grow and build and develop as we head into to, or towards the back end of our current financial year, which is March 31st, uh, 2021. So we're heading into quarter four at the minute of that. But um, so the reason for me hiring a marketing person is I just need somebody in the business who knows more about marketing than I am, who's 100% of their time focused on marketing. And that and marketing at the end of the day is raising visibility. At the minute, we're a dot on a map, on a massive map. And I want us to be more visual uh, and I want us to be seen by more people and I want people to know that we're there and I can't do that on my own. So I have to build this team and I'm very much front loading the business at the minute, but we'll be able to cope with demand as it comes in because we'll grow the backside of the business, which is the production team, the account management team. And eventually, you know, when the sales come in, we can grow. Whereas in the past, I've been guilty of back end growing as in getting the back backroom staff in but not having enough sales coming in to supply the team that we have available to do. So it's a fine balance, but now I'm trying to front load so that we can get more con more sales through the door, more revenue through the door, and then we can grow uh, as we should be growing as a, as a business. So uh, hence the reason we're making the investment in that. Uh, knowing your sales pipeline, what it looks like is super, super important. It does tell you a lot about the future of the business. I didn't used to be a fan of the sales pipeline. I was a bit like, ah, whatever, just, you know, get the work in and out and and who cares, it's overanalyzing stuff. Whereas now, mega important, uh, it's it gives you a snapshot of what your business could look like in the future or what it could not look like in the future, depending on how uh, busy you are with that sales pipeline. But it definitely tells you a lot about the future of your business. Our sales pipeline um, is broken down into business classification. So we've got uh, B2B clients and we've got agency clients. So those are our two main uh, types of clients. And then each of those is broken into what stage that sales journey is currently at. And here are our main stages that we have in our sales pipeline across all categories. And it's broken into uh, five uh, five stages. Stage one is contact. All right, that's the first contact, initial contact, whether it's an email, a direct message, a phone call, an in-person chat. We've had that first contact. We've both dis uh, discovered that there's a, a synergy there and that there is the potential of us bringing you and your business uh, value. That's contact. The next bit is qualification. So is it the right kind of client for us? Do they really have a project for us, because we get a lot of, you know, promises and people dangling carrots and things. And, and so we have to qualify that because there's a lot of time and effort go into the whole sales process. So qualification is really important. Are they the right fit for us? Do they have the budget for the kind of work that we uh, are going to be able to bring them? Uh, is there longevity in this client? And uh, and so on and so forth. Then there's the briefing. So we've qualified and now we're onto the briefing where we're actually physically talking about a project. So if a client's in the briefing column on our pipe drive um, and pipe drive is the software we use, by the way, um, then it means that we're now discussing a particular project and we're getting to the bottom of that project before we can eventually go to the next step, which is proposal. That basically is quoting, getting numbers uh, to do the work that we've just briefed on. So proposal could be a 60 slide PowerPoint presentation if it's a massive project, or it could be a one slide. Here's what you get in the breakdown for your investment. And then once that's done and been sent to the client, it goes over into the decision column and it's in there where a lot of activity happens and a lot of, uh, a lot of projects end up in decision for quite some time because it can be a lengthy process depending on how big of the, uh, how big the organization is or how urgently they need um, this work putting through. So uh, a lot of uh, sales 
um, pipeline uh, uh, tasks end up indecision. And then within each of those, there's a lot of tasks, a lot of uh, touch points that we need to achieve to try and keep that momentum going and to get the sales over the line um, ready for the service agreement and then for production to begin. So that gives you a little insight. But I think having a sales pipeline is so, so important, especially if you're going to be hiring sales staff eventually in the future. Build the foundations now, figure out what that sales journey looks like, what that pipeline is going to look like. And it'll be different from, for most people, depending on what it is that you're selling. But I think it's really important. It's one thing that I find really, really uh, useful for us as a business, especially now we have more salespeople in the business, is to have that, you know, I'll go into pipe drive and I can see clearly how busy we are. I can see how many things there are in uh, contact, qualification, briefing. I can go into the insight section of pipe drive and you can see all the stats in there, how many things we've quoted for this month how much we've sold, what our win rate is, and so on and so forth. And it's exciting when we win a, win a new client or win a new job. You know, we hit the win button and then up pops this cool little animation. It just makes you feel, it's like ringing a bell. Um, and it feels good. And you should be excited, you know, if you win new work and because you put a lot of effort into it. So uh, sales pipe, uh, pipeline, uh, really, really important. And if you don't use stuff like PipeDrive and other cloud-based apps, uh, spreadsheet, you know, it's, uh, it's an easy way of doing it and can be just as effective. Uh, and I've got a, a routine as well with each of the stages. So I like a to-do list to follow up to help move the inquiry along, help it along to get to the decision bit and then beyond. Uh, using notes and reminders to make sure that nothing is missed because missing something or ignoring a potential sale in your pipeline could cost your business many thousands of pounds. So you have to dedicate lots of time in your week to keep on top of that. If you are the only salesperson in the business, you should be dedicating the majority of your week to this process. Um, otherwise, your business will just move along slowly and you will miss out on sales. Guaranteed 100% that will happen and you'll be leaving a lot of money potentially on the table. Uh, right, part three, looking after and retaining your clients. A very important aspect, often overlooked. So our client retention rate is very high at the minute. And nine times out of 10, we get repeat business from new clients. So a new client comes to us, they want one video creating. And then off the back of that, we often get repeat business. They come back and they want more videos or other services that we currently offer. And that happens, I'd say 9.9 .9 times out of 10 um, from, from clients that we have. And this is because we deliver a great service great value for money. And it's also because we're good at building relationships that go beyond sales. We don't look at the client as a transaction, as a number. You know, we care about the investment the client is about to make. We've turned clients away saying that they don't need to spend that money because they've got these options available to them. And they've come back later on and ended up spending money with us. So we, we genuinely care. You know, there was a time when it was like, just get the money in and out. But now we, you know, over the last few years or so, we've grown and matured. And we care about that investment. And I think that's really important for anybody in business is to not look at the client as a pound sign and to look at them as individuals, people. And, you know, they've got jobs, they've got goals and visions and aspirations. And if we can play an important role in that, if we can deliver results, we're going to get repeat business. So it's win-win all around. We get the relationships, but we also get the repeat business off the back of it if we can uh, deliver results. And I believe we'll deliver results because we care. You know, we're spending time creating campaigns and content that we know will deliver results because we're not just solely focused on the pound signs. Uh, we're super self-aware as a business as well. And this is really important. You know, we're far from perfect and we would never claim to be perfect. And we're honest. We don't mind saying that. I don't mind saying to you right now, if you even, it could be a potential client listening to this podcast right now. We are far from perfect. 
However, we are self-aware enough to know what we need to improve and we are constantly learning and developing and improving, which pays off dividends for the clients, for our clients. All right. And let's be honest, no, per- no business is perfect. Our clients, their businesses are far from perfect. That's why they're hiring us to help them build this thing. Um, so, you know, one of our values is being honest and transparent with everything that we do. And we take that to the extreme um, with our clients because it's all about that relationship, having that honest conversation with somebody. And people aren't stupid. You know, you can profess to be the best. You can profess to be perfect at everything. People aren't stupid. They see right through that. So just get, just be honest, just get straight to the point. Um, and that's the kind of relationship you want with people in life and indeed in business. Now we make mistakes, all right, but we learn quickly and deliver a better service as a result. Generally, touch wood, they're little tiny mistakes that are easily fixable and shouldn't cause any issues with um, projects, but we make mistakes all the same. And, uh, but again, you know, we, we, we learn quickly and we deliver a better service as a result. We've had times where we've been guilty of chasing that next thing and forgetting about what we already have. And I'm ashamed of this, if I'm honest, in the early days of business, I would get a client through the door and we'd do the work and I'd hand it over. And then I'd be moving on to the next thing and I would completely forget that they exist. Um, you know, but I've worked hard to get this, to get this right. And I've worked hard to get those clients through in the first place and to just leave them there and to look after themselves is just utterly ridiculous. But it's something that we're on top of as a business. You know, we do appreciate and are grateful for the clients that we have. And we're not always ignoring them and then heading off looking for that next big thing. We spend time with them. We talk to them a lot. Uh, Even after projects are finished, we're constantly in contact. Um, Not always to try and sell to them either. You know, how are you getting on? How's business? That Keeping that relationship going. Um, you know, we've had a, an account management system in place from the very early days of the business with the sole responsibility of looking after the clients and their needs. Cause I can't do it all on my own. That's for sure. And I'm sure most clients wouldn't want to hear from just me all the time. You know, it's good to work with a team. So we've always had an eye on account management, uh, from the very, very early days in business and it's keeping in touch, you know, be honest and deliver amazing results. And yes, you can go off and chase those new big clients, but ignore your current clients at your peril. We've made this mistake before and we've had to have honest conversations with clients who've brought it up, who have said, look, you know, not being funny or anything, but we feel like we're getting, you know, we're spending this money with you, but we feel like we're getting ignored. And that wakes you up and uh, sends a rocket. And, uh, and so, you know, you act on that and it just, sometimes we all need a little wake up call. And so today... And certainly for the last few years or so, we're, you know, we're super keen on looking after the clients that have put their trust and their investment in us as a business. And let's be honest, there are plenty of companies out there that they could have chosen to use and go with. And we're just super grateful that they've chosen uh, to work with us and we want to, to pay that back. So, you know, staying in touch, be honest and delivering amazing results will keep your clients happy forever, even when, cause there's a lot of competition and people will be hot on your heels trying to steal your clients. But if you get all those things right, they'll stick with you and be loyal. Even if the person next door is coming in cheaper, half what you're charging, it's not always about costs. And sometimes we get a little bit lost uh, on that as well. Um, so getting clients to come back and continue to use your business will be one of, and has been one of our biggest contributors for growth. <laughs> So there you go. Lessons learned on this one then. 
There are plenty of clients out there for your products and services. However, finding them isn't easy, but sitting staring at your phone or inbox isn't going to make things happen anytime soon. Uh, looking at what you're good at when it comes to sales and double down on that. So if you're really good at in-person communication, if you're good on the phones, double down on that. Focus on that. If marketing is your strong point, then use those skills to find clients. Hiring someone with exceptional sales acumen as soon as you can afford it, if not a little sooner, could be a winner. Set goals up front. We've got goals at the minute for 10 years in the future, five years in the future, three years in the future, 12 months in the future, three months and one month in the future. And they all bleed into each other. Right? They're all connected. The one leads to the other, leads to the other. Really, really important as far as I'm concerned. Have a system in place for measuring against those goals, right? It's super, super important. It's all right having goals, but what happens if you're not measuring against them? How do you know if you're winning or not? And it's also important to know your sale, what your sales pipeline looks like. All very important lessons that I've definitely learned over the years. All right, thank you for listening to this episode of the Diary of an Entrepreneur, an open and honest account of how I'm attempting to grow a video media business from the ground up. And I must stress, I'm not trying to teach you anything. I'm just sharing my journey. And if it motivates you, then great job done. You can follow the podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We're on them all pretty much now, I believe. I'm all over social media. And if you want to reach me directly, then you can drop me an email. My personal email address is dannylacy at stardomedia.co.uk. Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Lacey, L-A-C-E-Y, at starda, S-T-A-D-A, media.co.uk. Thanks again for listening and join me on the next episode of the Diary of an Entrepreneur.